0: Hey, what's going on, motivators? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast coming to you on Monday, August 30th, 2021. Heading home after a pretty busy day at Healthy Balance, kicking ass, taking names. Okay, Peter, let that old man out driving his little fucking Nissan or Versa or whatever he's got going on there. Do the right thing. Let somebody out if you can when you're driving around. It's a tricky business because sometimes if you're too generous and you let somebody out, it'll kind of fuck up traffic. So you don't want to be too kind. It's like a microcosm in the greater macrocosm. You want to be kind and courteous, you want to be considerate, you want to be a good guy or gal. But, um, you waste too much time belaboring that, trying to do that, it'll bite you in the anus, right in the anus hole. Like right now, I'm going to have to stop at this light. Um, Quite a bit of traffic down here at uh, Main and Broad in Lansdale. If I'm honest, you got some questionable characters about on this 86-degree evening. Look at this guy over here. Looks like he never fucking pumped gas before. (sighs) Damn, it's not looking looking too good. Um, Really cool day. It was good. Things turned out. You know, it's it's, it's wonderful when a day turns out better than you thought it would. Today was a 25-patient day, which is a lot for little old me. On a Monday, when the North Penn School District returns to school, my wife's first day, My kids going back to school tomorrow. Today the was their last day off. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's like you're on the threshold of something. You have one of two choices: you can be um, troubled, stressed, or you can be excited. Yeah, I've shared the philosophy with you before that the sand, the reality, the scientific reality, which is that the same hormones are going to be released. in the case of being stressed or excited anxious or excited what is released why cortisol primary stress hormone released from your adrenal cortex these little glands that sit right on top of your kidneys cortisol is going to be released some epinephrine which is like adrenaline so it's going to get your heart rate up cortisol is going to get blood sugar up give you fuel to get out of dodge, fight or flight, get too much stress, it can be deleterious to your physiology, it can hurt you actually, but in short doses, the stress response is is important. So these hormones are going to be dumped in your system regardless. Now... If you can reframe it and say... You know, I'm not anxious, I'm excited. Then you're setting yourself up for success. I had a couple little kiddos today, uh, family that I love so much. Used to live right across the street from me. And their daughter, now they have two kids. Uh, I'm gonna say she's going into first grade. So what is that, five, six, seven? Maybe you six or seven. She's going into first grade. And her, her little brother is going to be going into nursery school. And I think, wow, such wonderful people. I used to see this little girl come in with her parents. They'd bring her in, and she was, they just lived across the street. So they got we got to know each other, and just that story went on from there. They joined the boot camp. They became fast friends. A lot of love among us, and, uh. This little girl, she was so apprehensive, so cautious of big bad Doctor Rowe, you know, coming in and didn't want to engage with me. And the next thing you know, she was speaking a little bit, and she'd come in and play her ukulele song. And then, when she'd come in, we'd talk a little bit more, and and she opened up. And now she really enjoys coming in with her with her parents. Just you know sits out in the car right now because of the COVID cooties, but they're going to school tomorrow. And I saw this little girl and her and her brother in there and the big smiles on their faces said, how you guys feeling, you gonna be going to school? She said exactly that. She said, yeah, well, I'm excited. I'm also a little scared. And I tried to impart the reality, which I believe is that And what my experience has been is that once you've done something, it's just a feather in your cap. It might take you a few times, you know, the first week of school, the first month of school, the first year of, of school and, and getting used to this new environment and everything. All, the, all our senses are processed differently. The sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch have to accustomize ourselves to it. We have to acclimatize ourselves to it. And once we've done it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is the way it is. And next, Maybe then you're the kid that shows up, you know, when you're in fifth grade, maybe you're showing up to welcome the kindergartners and being the safety on the bus and all these things. <clears throat> I get news for this first grader and it's nursery schooler, you know, my kids are going into seventh grade and freshman year in high school respectively, and they are nervous. You know My students who are 18, 19, 20, in their 20s, they are nervous to start college. Other people are nervous to go back, teachers, principals are nervous for their day one. And everybody has to process things. You know, we're only human. And these events can be stressful or they can be exciting. You know, I I think we only have one choice, and that is the right choice, which is to be excited. You I'm tired of being scared, you know. When I say that, I'm not, I'm not scared physically, I'm, not, I'm scared sometimes during this crazy past couple of years with all the pandemic and the divisiveness and the shutdowns and the masks and the vaccines and just all the polarization in our society. Apprehensive. I'm anxious, just like everyone else. Starting a new. I got day one for my teaching tomorrow at Gwinter Mercy University, and I'm <clears throat> not day one. It's the, it's the sixth time I've done this, the sixth year that I've taught anatomy physiology, and I I know it. You know, I know my stuff, and I've done it before. And I'm concerned about going in though, and not getting my. Uh, Not knowing my password to the learning management system and not knowing how, not remembering how to start up the computer and syncing my new uh, PowerPoint changer and laser pointer, syncing that and remembering everything and getting all of my points, my topics correct for the. syllabus review and the content that we will cover and refraining from obscenities and getting too crazy but I'm fucking riled up man. Here's the deal you know I've done this enough and I've had enough stage time um, that I I refuse to be frightened anymore I choose to be excited so I'm going to go in there and these students you're going to hear me probably from fuck is that tractor-trailer. Eastbound of down. Roll it up and truck it. Fucking guy's problem. Don't let me climb in that freaking tractor-trailer and bust this guy's ass. Um, revving up his engines. You wanna... You wanna rev up those... Those engines? You wanna eighteen gears all counted for you wanna haul long haul trucking intimidate me. So um I've done this shit enough times. You're gonna hear me from wherever the fuck you are. I'll be in Gwinnett. Lower Gwinnett, I think it is. I'll be down there just short of Springhouse and Semi-Town Pike. You we'll hear stories will be told about the uh my first day of instruction with sixty participants in a class, the whole nine yards, you know, from students that are nervous for their first day of school to potential, uh, COVID cases on campus, which is inevitable and the quarantines, which will ensue and tests and vaccines and the whole nine yards, man, we can't insulate, we can't isolate ourselves from the world. You know, we got to fucking we got to live. And so I feel like this whole thing is symbolic. Okay. This whole exercise is symbolic. We can only do our best and be good to one another, and be sensitive to uh, each other, and care, so yeah, whether you're a nursery schooler, or a fucking PhD candidate, that's all we can do, those are the rules of the road. That's happened. I'm gonna freaking bring my ukulele in there. I'm gonna strum, 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 strum do a couple little chords tonight, and tune in my freaking guitar, my little ukulele, so I can get everybody riled up, get everybody prepared. What else? Okay, so there's that. Today, the first thing that happened. There was, I went to wash my hands. I came in, I got everything squared away. It was to be a busy day, which it was. There was a spider. Itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Down came this friggin' faucet turned on the faucet and washed the spider out but I didn't have the heart to kill this arachnid I didn't want to do it harm, I didn't want to see it go down the water spout and drown or drown um, to meet a horrible, terrible end and I just couldn't I don't know, I couldn't look away I couldn't do that so I washed my hand my hand's had a trickle and let this thing crawl up the side of the (coughs) sink, the inside of the sink, where it didn't seem to get the point that it was going to die if it stayed there. (coughs) Excuse me. So patient after patient, I washed my hands, and the thing remained there until I finally grabbed the paper towel, picked it up, It had two little feeler legs, little feeler uh, legs. It's like trying to see what's going on, like reaching out there, maybe putting its its dukes up, ready for a fight, maybe try to stick its little fangs into me, which I wasn't. (laughs) I doubt that it was going to do that. It had the potential to break my sturdy squamous epithelium. But, you know, I was a little creeped out, so I just picked the spider up with a piece of paper towel, and then it was all good. I put it on the back of the toilet, and it kind of crawled away. It's probably living in and around my toilet, my back bathroom. I don't care if it's there. You know? as stated, you know, Judge... We'll be judged by how we, uh, you can judge people by how they treat the small things. Little creepy crawlies and toads and snakes. Tell you what, I got spiders. I had a fucking gigantic toad, the size of a softball. It was overnighted in our uh, garage last night. This fucking thing comes out, takes giant shits. And it's all, the shit is all just accumulated beetles and exoskeletons of whatever creature that it kills. It's pretty impressive. Like wildflowers are six foot high. Crazy how big they're growing. Just on the one side of my garage. The other side, the wildflowers, maybe they're just not getting enough sun or something's going on. Less water, I don't know what it is, but not as impressive on that side. Um, so I saved that spider, and I'm proud of myself for doing that. I busted this guy today. I'll tell you about this in a moment. as I was saying I busted this guy he's a friend of mine I busted him on friggin' a no-show for his appointment last Friday I care about this guy you know we've got a good banter I said though listen you missed your appointment it's not the first time it's gonna be 45 bring your wallet That's the it's a guy is an Older gentleman, who so he's got Medicare, so he doesn't pay anything for his health care. I mean, he doesn't pay anything to me anyway. no copay. <clears throat> so I said, listen, man, it's going to be cash basis 45. Our uh, office policy is that we're going to charge you. If you no-show know, us, you know, somebody else might need that appointment time. We offer a half-hour appointment, and if you don't show, somebody doesn't get taken care of, and I don't get paid. So it's not good. Now, if shit happens and you got an emergency, you got to you got to cancel for whatever reason. We understand, but if you tell us that you overslept or some bullshit like that, and you admit that you know it's you know got away from you somehow, then you should pay for for my time. So, um, I called the guy and he said, you mean to tell me you're going to charge me for a missed appointment? Why don't you just charge Medicare? Well, because that would be fraud. Because you didn't show up. I didn't render any services. Medicare doesn't pick up appointments for, doesn't pay me for appointments that you don't attend. You know, people don't. It's interesting when people will say that, and this guy's still a great person. Uh, and we we fixed it, but I mean, I have to be the dickhead sometimes and tell people that this is the way it's going to be. It has to be that way. You have got to be some skin in the game. Don't get complacent with coming in here. You're not really paying anything for your health care, and then you don't want to show up. Somebody else might want to get on the schedule. And we've had... You know, we've been very busy lately. We've had a lot of people want to get in. We can't serve them. You know, when you don't show up. So, when you no-show us. So, I told the guy that it's funny his reaction. People will sometimes try to get over... They will often assume... um, You know, they'll talk about people being entitled and all this crap. Political stuff. And how certain segments of the populations are sheep or, or, you know, need to suck it up and learn to fail sometimes and take their medicine and all that stuff, you know. Um, meanwhile, they expect an insurance company to pay for their visit if they miss it. I'll just build the insurance. Yeah, okay. I'll just build the insurance. No big deal, right? No money out of your pocket. Well, maybe if you, if you did fucking have some skin in the game, Maybe you'd stop showing up late, or not at all. Maybe you wouldn't take your visit for granted. So the guy apologized, basically, and said that he doesn't want any friction, he doesn't want any problems between doctor and patient. You're right, but I'm doing the right fucking thing. You know, and I'm proud of doing that, because I'm a pushover. So that's that's an issue. Standard shit. And I'm cool with it. We moved on just amusing to me, though, sometimes. Uh, I'm proud of my son, okay? I'll tell you why. I've mentioned before, I don't know what it is about, if it's a a male thing, because when I was a teenager and hormones started raging, I wouldn't hang out with my buddies, you know, you weren't going to find me around the house. I was probably sleeping in summers. I was probably not doing chores. Um, I was just out for myself. It's part of... That it's part of growing up. I think you just you want to do the things you want to do. You're not thinking about your family always. You're not thinking about doing the right thing. You're thinking you're uh, living impulsively. You want to be with your friends. You want to be with your girlfriend. You want to be down to friggin' Seven Eleven. Whatever you're doing. You know. Anyway, my son's not like that. I kind of was. I remember. I've got enough humility to remember that was a little bit of a. Bastard. Selfish bastard. So Sam, yeah, sometimes I have a little issue with him because he's not quick to help around the house. Whereas my daughter really sets him up for failure because she's a year plus younger than him. But she's always there. She'll wash her dishes. She'll, you know, help around the house with dinner. She'll help clean. She's really neat and tidy, just like my wife. And Sam and I are alike in that we're kind of like you know, we're taken care of. Uh, not to say that I don't do my share, help out. You know, I've grown up a lot, and I, I do as much as I can. But still, the females are dominant in our home. And so, we had this thing for football, where for the high school, is freshman year, all the high school players, they, gotta, they give them these stupid fucking coupon cards. And it's like various pizza places and restaurants give you a little percentage off your bill if you pay $20 and it goes to Southerton Football. So I don't know how many he has of these, but we sold a bunch, and then in short notice, you know, we, we had a bunch left, and he went down the beach with his buddy, he comes back, he's like, oh, I need to sell all these, or I'm going to have to do push-ups, or I'm in trouble, or da-da-da-da. First of all, the wife and I think that this is stupid with these fundraiser things. Like, Somebody please get creative and just, you know, just tell the kids to talk to their family and see, if, in addition to the money that we pay for the kids to play, maybe we can raise money. If you got a business, if you got a whatever, you know, help raise some funds in a different way. I, I'm, you know, I don't want the job for fun, uh, fundraising, but I'm sure there's something they've been doing for a long time. The nice little cards, but I don't want to fucking eat junk food. I don't need ten off of my pizza parlor bill I just want to support somebody so if somebody comes into my neighborhood or some, one of my patients comes in if I know one of the kids in the neighborhood plays baseball or soccer or whatever fucking spelling bee team and you want support, I'll give you 20 bucks just, for no other reason just get out of my face and I'm happy to support you uh, I think most people are like that too so, where I'm proud of my son is this. He finds that we have not sold all these things. He asked me, well, did he ask every patient that came in? I said, no, I didn't ask every fucking patient if they want to, you know, give money for your football squad. And I'm like, listen, bro, you're out of your mind. It's not my responsibility to sell all this shit for you. And I'm about ready to just, you know, give him $100 and say, just... Pay it off, you know. Just take those fucking coupons and throw them in the in the fire pit. I just, you know, assume rather than to try to struggle and stress about raising this money, we just give you the money. So long story short, he says he just got back from the beach. He's laying on the couch, looking at his phone. He says, "I'm gonna shower. I'm gonna take a shower, and I'm gonna go out around the neighborhood." I'm like, "Really?" This kid takes these freaking cards and walks around the neighborhood, goes door to door, in a pandemic, goes door to door, and asks people if they want to do this. He says, What should I say, Dad? I gave him a little script. Hey, Sam Oberst, it's freshman football. I don't know if you consider supporting us. And he sold. $80, $100 worth of these things. 20 bucks a piece. So five, you know, five of the things, which I think is a big deal. Because when I was a kid, um, I hated shit like that. I had friends who were doing Pop Warner football and stuff and cheerleading. And I had to get, take a coffee can and walk around the neighborhood and ask people, Hey, would you like to, we're collecting for Pop Warner, or we're doing this. Or I had a, I was at a paper route. Asbury Park Press, and so I had to do something called collecting. So I delivered the papers, and that was a whole ordeal, subject of another podcast, but papers were dropped off in my driveway, me and my mom put them together at freaking 5 a.m. or something, put all the little sections inside the main thing, and they were all bundled together with, this, you know, twine or plastic strips or whatever that shit is, we'd drop them off in the yard, in the driveway, and then we'd have to put them together, we'd have freaking black shit all over our hands, the ink, and smell very distinct, like newspaper, I can smell it right now, just thinking about it, it's a good smell, <coughs> newsprint, it's bright, carcinogens or something, so I delivered these papers, started out doing it on a bike. With a big bag, you wrap it around your head, your uh, handlebars, <coughs> and then you go cruising around. You th- you drop the papers off, and then the people didn't like you, They wanted to drop it all the way on their stoop, put it inside the door, put it in the slot. Some people never did anything, so you'd throw it. When it rained, you had to put a sleeve on the friggin' newspaper so it didn't get wet. Some people had a dedicated box for the Asbury Park Press, a little blue plastic box. And then every month, you had to go around and collect, quote-unquote. Collecting for Asbury Park Press, you had to go up to their door and say, Hey, Mrs. Smith, Jones, whatever. Um, Hey, Mr. McGillicuddy. I'm here for the Asbury Park Press. You put a little, uh, small, tiny little manila, like a hand-sized manila folder in their door and say this is the money for the Azerite Park Press. If people would put dollars and coins in there, and, you know, that would be, like, whatever it was. You had to keep track of all this shit. It was a pain in the fucking ass. Anyway, it was a pain in the ass to go collecting. if somebody didn't leave you the envelope, you had to knock on the door and call them on and say, like, hey, you know, you didn't pay for the Azerite Park Press. And sometimes you get nice people, sometimes you get assholes, the different smells of their homes, smokers or uh, you know an, an old carpet or people with dogs or um, people with alcohol on their breath, um, takeout food, uh, evening dinners, uh, morning breath. anything you can imagine you go in somebody's home, the, ha- the habitable spaces you would catch a whiff of all this. And it wasn't all bad smells. It's like I said, when you pull up into a port and you go to Spain or Israel or Greece or wherever, and you pull into that port, you can smell the city. You can smell the people. You can smell the gas products. You can smell the food. You can smell the the farts. You can smell the sea water. You can smell the dead fish along the dock. You can, it's, it's a combo. It's a very distinct smell. Depending upon where you pull in, there's some similarities and there's some differences. Very interesting. So, same thing when you stick your nose in that door, when the storm door opens and you can tell, you know, what it's going to smell like. Very, back in the 80s, very common. Cigarettes, carpet, mothballs. People use mothballs, I think, to ward away um, (laughs) pests in their shrubs and shit like that under their crawl spaces. All that stuff. Um, very interesting. It was a pain the fucking ass to ask people for money. You ever do that? People say, oh, I used to sell cutlery, ginsu knives door to oh, door. I used to sell <clears throat> vacuum cleaners or encyclopedias. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sold? Like, hey, we got to go around and sell this, that, and the other thing. Like, we're going to show up and we're going to sell things. Oh, my God. People are terrible to you. Go sell T-shirts at a concert or something like that. I never did that. But they're see the, the how, how ruthless those folks are? They just fucking, you know, however much they're paying for these T-shirts. If they can sell them for 20 bucks. you go to a Grateful Dead show, people are going to be, you know, coming in with bags and bags of these T-shirts. And you want one. You just attend this concert. You'll pay twenty bucks if you say ten. They'll give it to you. You got ten dollars cash? They'll give it to you rather than lose a sale. So it's a pain in the ass. Anyway, Sam goes out there, comes back, drops a friggin' pile of cash on the on the counter, and then sits step back down, looks at his phone, saying, "This guy, I cannot believe what balls, you know, what courage to do that. Like if you can." And he does the same thing. He tells us, like, yeah, I got some a snap from a girl. Like, <clears throat> whether it's Snapchat or um, Instagram or whatever, you get people's handle. Like, hey, what's your handle on Insta? What's your Insta page? And people, you know, girls will give you the thing. Okay, well, yeah, you can see me. I'll be your friend on Insta. And maybe they keep in touch that way. You know, he, he's doing that all day long, now he's, you know, picking up chicks, he's respectful about it, but he's like out in the world doing this stuff, and and that's what it takes, I think, to be successful in this life, you have to have audacity, you have to have the audacity to show up And go door to door. You have to have the audacity to put yourself out there and risk losing. Risk that girl saying or boy saying, hey, you know what? I ain't giving you my number. I ain't giving you my Instagram handle. I don't know who you are. You know, sometimes it's going to happen, statistically speaking. And sometimes on day one, you know, for school, back to school, back to work, back to whatever, teaching... Back to the office during a pandemic, when you got hurricanes lashing away at the shores, and hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions of people in the south, without um, electricity, and you got you know political strife and country, tr- you know, trying to leave, uh, and in- they were embedded status there in a foreign land, and pot shots taken at them with rockets and. Roadside bombs and fucking trucks laden with with uh, TNT or whatever the fuck else they got going on there. This is the world that we live in right now. There's still a lot of good. There's a lot of great people out there that are just trying to, to do, you know, to stay, keep their head above water. They're trying to do their best. They're trying to survive as well. And there's strength in numbers. Maybe if we understand, you know, try to understand where people are coming from, and try to, you know, you, you know one, one thing that I I'm going to end on this note. I'm talking to somebody this this evening, and she said, uh, you know, uh, such and such, uh, you know, really thinks you helped her, you know, referral. It was this doctor? Who's this dentist? Uh, one of the hygienists said, you know, go see Doctor O, he's helping me. So she came in. And I helped her a couple visits, making her feel good, you know, getting her prepared for a big event. So she said, oh, the other doctor might might consider coming in too. I said, well, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you confiding in me and sending people my way. I, I do my best for you. And she goes, yeah. I said, you know, I, I make it my my business to try to destroy the stereotypes My profession, like anybody who's had a bad experience with a chiropractor, with a former Marine, with a whatever, whatever the fuck, usually it's a chiropractor thing. I know I got esteem issues with uh, my profession, but it's only because I know some of the people that, you know, some of the people that are my peers, and I don't like the way that they operate, and I don't think the public likes the way that they operate. So I try to provide an answer to that. And the answer is that I, I, you know, I, I, I treat people with respect. I don't try to beat people overhead and, and uh, rob them of their money. You know I don't try to you know, sell people on rich uh, treatment plans. I don't try to sell people pillows and supplements and bullshit like that. And I don't think that you know I'm gonna uh, you know, protect you against COVID by getting a chiropractic adjustment. You know what I mean? I don't regard my profession as some religion. You know? And so I'm trying to be to provide an answer. I think there's a niche for being a stand-up person. I said, we talked about professions and people and stereotypes, and I said, she said that there's one doctor that wants to come in. Her, her, <clears throat> her husband is a an orthopedist and doesn't believe in chiropractic. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, tell her to come to me if she's really hurting and she's curious. I'll give her the best experience that I have, the very same quality of care that I gave you. And maybe I can make her a quote unquote believer. And so she said, this woman, seems like she's going to come in. I said, okay, well, you know, this is the one with the orthopedist husband, right? She said, yeah. I said, well, I'll do my best. You know, I said, you know, what I'm tired of, and I've touched on this before, but I'm tired, a lot, tired of the labels and like putting people in boxes based upon whatever. Yeah, you know, they talked about ratings, like uh, confidence ratings uh, for people and professions. All right. People don't like lawyers. People don't like politicians. People don't like um, chiropractors. People don't like. Uh, Salesman. What else do people not like? Anyway, there's there's these little like stereotypes or and sometimes little big stereotypes about different types of people and what you're gonna get if you deal with this type of person. This is what you're gonna get if you do business down in the city. This is what people are like in the country, this is like what people are like in the south, in the north, you know, out on the west coast they're all hippies, they're all liberals, they're all whatever. And up in this, you don't want to come around this area because they're all conservatives and they're all, you know, really whatever. Like, it's it's unfair, although stereotype, all stereotypes have a little bit of truth to them. I feel like it is intellectually lazy to just put people in a box and say... This is the experience. This is, um, what this type of person is like. You know, this is what suburban white people are like. This is what urban minorities are like. This is what Afghanis are like. This is what the Taliban's like. This is what the ISIS-K is like. This is what celebrities are like. This is what, um you're going to get from working class people today, Um, if you hire a construction person, this is the experience I had, Um, you know, you know what I'm saying, it's like, this is what these teachers are up to today, they get their summers off and all these benefits and they complain about it, like, not everybody is, you're not, you're going to find if you really look closely, not everybody's going to meet your expectation in terms of the stereotype, whether it's positive or negative, but we have these assumptions. We have these, um, these like, um, profiles that we, it's profiling that we assume, you know, this person is going to behave like that. And we do this in a, you know, semi-intelligent way because we're trying to develop patterns. We're trying to understand things and predict things, predict the unknown. This is what my first day back in the class is gonna be like. Well I tell you what, I'm gonna fucking completely blow my students out of the water in terms of their expectations. I'm not gonna meet their expectations of day one. Not gonna be stress, syllabus reviews, boring shit, reviewing policies. You know, I'm going to freaking play the ukulele. I'm going to get telling stories. I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to meet and greet. I'm going to, you know, allay their fears. I'm going to make people feel good. Cuz I don't want to feel stressed. I want I don't want to feel anxious. I want to be excited. So that's what I'm going to choose. I'm going to tell a sto- tell a story about that very thing the first day. I want to be excited. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be scared. I want to be informed. How about that? Don't be anxious. Be excited. Don't be scared. Be informed. You know, this is what going to school, learning things is all about. Removing the, um, the guesswork. Taking out the guesswork. Understanding things. Striving to, to really, truly understand and to get to a point where you're no longer scared. You're no longer a lemming, you're no longer um, so intellectually lazy that you just you know, try to create these loose patterns, these silhouettes of people and situations that, you know, that have you on the run, that make you respond in such a ridiculous, scared, predictable way. I think it's so fucking lazy, man. And I thought, it makes me, it really interests me, too. I mean, I, I told you stories before. I think I mentioned to you how I have a music, a friend who's a music teacher. And he said, I asked him how the different segments of the orchestra, what are their personalities like? Is there a stereotype for a brass section? And how about percussionists or woodwinds or, you know whatever. You know, what is the stereotypical tuba player like? You know, I actually know somebody who's a tuba player, like on a collegiate level, on a, on a orchestral level. I know a violinist as well. What is a violinist like? Can we make some broad generalizations about the, beha- the behavior of the type of persona that comes from being a violinist? Or how about my friend who told me the other day, she's a dog walker for a living, and said, what type of dog do you have? I said a chocolate lab mix. And, uh, she said, I knew it. And I mean, maybe it's not the most, um, most people have labs. I think lab mixes are very common, but she said that she could predict the type of dog somebody has by 60, 70%, maybe I think that, again, there's truth to these stereotypes, to these generalizations, at least a little bit of truth. But there's also a lot of ignorance and a lot of blind um, assumptions that are made. And so I don't want to be, in any sense, I don't want to, for lack of effort, I don't want to be falling for the old banana in the tailpipe. I don't wanna fall for ignorance like when somebody says, Oh, those person's this is what they do. This person's a such and such's husband's a lawyer and you immediately think, Okay, probably rich, probably because they're chasing ambulances, taking people's money or such and such as, they're both teachers. Oh, so you imagine them on the beach after a, you know, abbreviated year of instruction um, and complaining about how hard things are with the school district. They got excellent benefits. They got a cush life. Uh they're gonna retire in their early fifties. Or are we talk about somebody who's uh, uh I don't know. My friend that hygienist said that she said they get a lot of um pushback about Dennis not being um Real doctors. Same thing with chiropractors, you know. I wonder, you know, and, and you think about that. Think about how people, how people are, of of significant education, various degrees to their credit and such. How somebody who's educated could still make that fatal flaw, that assumption that you know somebody isn't you know they're going to meet this profile I know exactly what he's going to be like I know exactly what she's going to be like you know we all do it it's an interesting thing it is profiling and we all use this skill this this pattern recognition skill set and our experiences to navigate this world. And of course this world has become more complex than we could have ever imagined. You think about the news headlines and the, all the things we have going in our lives. It's crazy how we've got people that are out of power and you know their homes are probably wrecked, the roof's gone, they've been flooded out down there in Louisiana for the second time at least, in uh, recent memory and they got nothing to their name, they don't know when the power is coming back on, when they'll be able to go home, and up here we're just thinking about and stressing about back to school and you know, other things, other news items and local and, and national and all these little things the Jake Paul and um, Tyron Woodley fight were worried about who won that and culture wars and all these things all these little, little isms what this politician said or what that it's interesting man you really think about that I think it's no more glaring than with politicians I think they get a I mean, you know, there's a stereotype that they're all intake, that they're all greedy, that they're all, you know, um, gaming the system to their own benefit, that they don't care. I don't think that that's true. I think that there are some glaring stereotypes and some people who make you feel like every single one of them is fucked. Every single one of them is a piece of shit. But I think most of these people get into, you know, pursue a career of service out of their passion for it, you know, the passion for their values. And their values might not always jive with ours, but, you know, hopefully they're still good human beings, good people. And it's the ones that we don't hear about all the time. They're not in the headlines all the time when they're up to no good. But we, the, those, those, the rest of politics, all politicians are saddled with the stereotype of, you know, courtesy these fuckheads. the same thing, like, when a, a soldier or something goes out and, you know, pisses on an enemy combatant's corpse or something like that, you think that all warriors are like that, all military or would do that, or some you know, horrible massacre happens out there, you know, um, in this world, you think, wow, I can't trust anybody, can I? It's not true, man. So it's very interesting. Um final note my squad leader uh Willie Jean Whitehurst. He was a good guy. He taught us a lot. He cared. He got himself in some trouble, did some prison time after he served, he got busted down from sergeant to and have a great career to, like, private or something because he did something stupid. And uh, he's been incarcerated a little bit, I think. I hope he's out. Hopefully he's reformed and living a, a good, productive life. But he said, Oberst- life ain't nothing but bullshit and experience. And I think that that's very true in a lot of ways. So anybody that's going back to the classroom tomorrow in whatever capacity, teacher, student, you name it, Um, Good luck. Kick ass and take names. Be excited. Don't be stressed. Don't be anxious. Turn into excited. Excitement. And set yourself free. Tired of being scared. Tired of seeing people and hearing about people. Being scared, being frightened about every little thing. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, it's like... Wolf, 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 wolf. And there's no fucking wolf. Or the wolf isn't the villain that you thought it was. You know? And so you have to be open to other possibilities, like maybe domesticating that wolf. Maybe using that wolf as a as a companion, as a as an aid to, you know, you give it some fucking scraps from the campfire spit and It protects you, it follows you around, it becomes your sled dog, your whatever. You know? Think about some other conclusions to come to. Instead of being scared of every fucking thing. And ultimately making poor decisions. (laughs)